0: Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters
1: and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me the double A ball.
2: Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your host, Ben and Dave.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben. And yet again, this week, we are live on location here in Phoenix, Arizona, home of the Cactus League Spring Training 2020. But before we get into this amazing episode that I have for you this week, I just want to remind you, go out and get yourself some Big League Chew Bubblegum. They are the Hall of Fame bubblegum and the official bubblegum of the Diamonds and Roses Podcast, So, get some gum and uh, maybe get some grape, get some regular watermelon so on, uh, but uh, Big League Chew Bubble Gum, best bubble gum out there. All right, well, with that said, we're going to jump into this episode, and like I said, we are live on location here in Phoenix, Arizona, I have a special guest today, and he rains from none other than the Pacific Northwest, just outside of the, the Portland area in the metro. And uh, without further ado, Cooper Hummel. I'm going to introduce him. And did I get your name right, Cooper?
0: Yeah, you got it. Got it spot on.
1: All right. Well, Cooper, thank you for taking the time. You you
0: literally just finished with a game, didn't you? Yeah. You know, a couple hours ago we uh, got done playing Seattle. It was kind of a cool experience getting to play against the uh, the hometown team for me. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. You play hometown team, and uh, just up north, uh, we're definitely going to get in here that later on in this episode about Pacific baseball maybe coming to Portland. So I want to hear your take on that. But uh, again, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Excellent. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right onto on this because. Uh, we were just talking off air and I feel like you've got some really fun stories that you can tell, but, uh, you know, you're a native, uh, born in Portland, but uh, native of Lake Oswego, correct? Correct. And, uh, what, uh, let's talk about your earliest memory of baseball. Now let's talk about not, not actually physically playing, but what's something, what's the earliest thing that you can remember, recall about either watching a, like a professional game or maybe just a pickup game or something about baseball related? So, uh,
0: I, I was born in Portland, as you said. Um, but, uh, after I, I turned like two, we moved up to Seattle for a couple of years and I remember sitting in the king Dome, and I had an Alex Rodriguez Jersey. And uh-huh. so we were, we were sitting up in the 300 levels and I just have this vivid memory of, of being there with my A-Rod Jersey and, uh, just watching the game at the king Dome.
1: Okay. In the king, the old kingdom, you n- not around any longer, but, uh, an amazing venue. So, uh, Moving forward, what was,
0: uh, you know, what was your team, like you, the Mariners growing up, I'm assuming? Yeah, Seattle was my team. Um, I actually had a, we sold my uh, childhood house a couple of years ago, but until we sold it, it had a mural of the Seattle Mariners logo right above my head where I slept. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, you know, big uh, big teal and navy blue all over my room. Uh, I was I was born and raised a Mariner fan, and mm-hmm. I, I'm going to die a Mariner fan. I know that sounds weird coming from a... Uh, for the Brewers, but yeah. I mean, it's it's hard not to root for the team you grew up rooting for. So
1: let's ask: Do you like the new color? Or do you like the old school teal color uh, with the Brewers, with, or, the, or with the, Mariners? the Mariners? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's their spring training color. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's unique, but uh, you know, I, I love the old teal. It's yeah. it's so cool. Excellent. Who would? So, you, was A-Rod your favorite
1: Mariner, or who, did you have another favorite uh, Mariner?
0: Ichiro, growing up, was my favorite player. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved him. I had that A-Rod t-shirt until I was, I don't know, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And it had holes all over it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wore that thing to death. But, uh-huh. yeah, Griffey, A-Rod, but really just loved Ichiro. I mean, I loved the whole team. It was, yeah. It was incredible growing up and watching them. And um, 2001 was a fantastic year, but... Yeah, really, just you know, watching Ichiro trying to emulate him in the backyard. It mm-hmm. was, that was that was my guy.
1: Yeah, was it the you know the reaching out of the bat and whatever? Was it like a Sandlot kind of uh, event? <laughs> yeah,
0: emulating him. Oh yeah, always, always. Mm-hmm. You know, I just uh, I loved watching him in the outfield and loved the way he hit and you no, know, it's uh, he's a special player.
1: Yeah. Now, why I mentioned the Sandlot, let's talk about uh, movies. What, what's your favorite baseball movie? Bull
0: Durham. Bull Durham. Yeah, the older I've gotten, the more I've loved Bull Durham, um, especially being in the minor leagues. It's such an accurate mm-hmm. uh, portrayal of what really goes on. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, a few years outdated, but I it's mean, still,
1: still, it's still, a classic. It's a classic,
0: but I mean, to the same extent, it's it's yeah. truly what minor league baseball is all about.
1: Kevin Costner is probably the best um, baseball actor at, uh, out there. Oh he's, yeah. oh he's great
0: yeah he's great yeah no I, I absolutely love him in that movie
1: so yeah i'll get you a rain out <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been in the minors have you
0: ever like ever wanted one of those like oh, man, all the time the out? all the time i mean, playing in biloxi mississippi i mean you're right on the gulf coast so uh-huh. you're, you're checking the doppler going okay we could get a rain out today boys like let's play two tomorrow <laughs> yeah once you're at, like game 100 you're really you're wanting to rain out
1: yeah. <laughs> so I was reading um, about you, and one of the things that I came across is that it said that you, you taught yourself how to switch hit when you were in fourth grade. Um, because you, it said that uh, you, you had a co- hitting coach that told you one of the ways to make it to
0: the majors would be to be a switch hitting catcher. Yeah. So um, growing up, I um, did baseball les- hitting lessons with uh, Chris Pine. He was a former pitcher. Los Angeles Angels. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I did all sorts of things with him. Um but hitting was one of those things and he looks at me and said, "Hey, you're a catcher. Um you're already left-handed, but you hit right-handed. Mm-hmm. Um why not why not hit left-handed, you know? Number one drafted thing is a left-hander with a good curveball and the number yep. two thing is a switch-hitting catcher, you know, it's going to be a great, you know, great track the big leagues for you." Mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm in." He said it one time and I was bought in and um, that time out, I was taken twice or three times the amount of swings left-handed than I did right-handed, and then um, gradually over the years, obviously, it's evened yeah. out. But, yeah, I was I was all bought in, so I grew up left-handed, and my dad just couldn't teach me anything left-handed. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I, I started playing everything right-handed.
1: Now, was this at a time when you were trying to decide what position that you were playing? So, did it, did this get you into
0: catcher more, or was it prior to this that you really wanted to be a catcher? Yeah. Um, So, growing up, um, every kid thinks they're a shortstop. Mm -hmm. I thought I was a shortstop. Um, When I was younger, uh, we lived in Japan for two years. Okay. And um, the team I actually played on in Japan um, won the Little League World Series. Okay. So, I was on their minors team. And uh, I remember going over there and they look at me and I say, yeah, I play shortstop. And they're like, no, go to the outfield. (laughs) You're eight. I'm like, no, no, I play shortstop. They're like, go to the outfield. So, um, yeah, I've kind of played all over, uh, but when, when we came back to the States and um I remember being in a fall ball game and my coach looks at me and goes, "Can you catch?" I go, "Sure." Like put me back there. So I put it went back there and mm-hmm. um just loved it. Loved putting on the gear, loved being yeah. back there, you're in every every play, every pitch. Um something about the gear and just having that one-on-one with the pitcher and mm-hmm. um I don't know. I I always loved it. So
1: Yeah, I loved it, too.
0: I love catching because I caught when I was
1: was younger. And the earliest memory I have of catching is just wearing all the gear, and it's just like you feel like you're swimming in it because it's like a one-size-fits-all type thing. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: totally. So, yeah, I got my first set of catcher's gear for Christmas that year, and um, right around then was when I um, started switch hitting. So, yeah, yeah, it kind of came all at the same time. It wasn't necessarily, you know, one chose the other. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, switch hitting was just – in my thing, I absolutely love to hit and yeah, and hitting's just a real passion of mine in general. So switch hitting was just a perfect way into that.
1: Was there a specific catcher that you liked watching and would, or is there multiple ones that you would watch and, and sort of take, feel like, okay, well this is what's working from them and maybe I can try
0: this or that. Um, kind of, um, I always loved watching Pudge. Pudge was, Oh yeah. Pudge was the man. Yeah. Um, he had an absolute bazooka back there and mm-hmm. I know, um, For me, I definitely had a different mindset growing up as a catcher. I just wanted to throw guys out. Yeah. That was my whole thing. I didn't, you know, I didn't care about the receiving. Obviously, that was, you know, looking back, I'm like, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Like, you should have focused more on the receiving aspect. Like, I was athletic, so I could block pretty well, but I just cared about throwing guys out and I just wanted to hit. Yeah. So, like, watching Pudge, like, one of the best hitting catchers ever. And then on top of that, just having an absolute bazooka, it just perfect mix.
1: Yeah. In my opinion. I remember growing up. Um, I remember the movie mighty ducks with yeah, Go- yeah. Goldberg, the goalie. And so it's just like, anytime I was behind the, the like behind there yeah. and I was like, I'm Goldberg, the goalie, I'm going <laughs> to stop everything that I can humanly possibly stop. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, being a catcher, you got to have really good hand eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to move your glove around, stopping the ball, did that come naturally to you? Or do you feel like you needed to work on that a little bit?
0: Um, you know, I, I think I was just always with a ball and a glove, so, yeah. um, and, you know, coming natural, but, um, I think most of it was just me being a gym rat, ball and her bat in my hand all, all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, as it was in my blood at that point, I, Yeah. Uh, from the earliest age, I always had a batter a ball. So what, what was it like for you,
1: you know, as a kid getting to get out there on that field and, you know, you're every spring with
0: that glove, just getting ready to start. What was that experience like for you? Oh, I mean, growing up, I was just, it was non-stop i mean it was year-round oh okay uh, yeah for me i was i was a grinder with that i just i wanted a ball or a glove i would um like i said i lived in japan for two years my dad his uh, office building had a rooftop tennis court oh okay and so when we on the weekends when he didn't have work we would go to top and we'd hit baseballs there mm. so we'd take off all the nets and um, the roof had this giant net over the whole thing, so balls wouldn't go over the edge. Oh, okay. So we would just go there and we would just hit for hours, and then uh, it was just kind of it was kind of our thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'd hit all the time, and um, I remember him coming home from work, and you know if it was light enough, we would just go to the local park and we'd hit or we would throw. And then the older I got, you know, we moved back to the states, and I just remember you know every day, hey, you want to go hit? Hell yeah! Like yeah. I was all in. Um, and then. As he always said you know you, you feed the monster as bed mm-hmm. so eventually I started to notice him you know he didn't he ask today hey dad are we hitting today like that's just all I wanted to do so um, you know it, kind of it mm-hmm. to an extent so um, yeah it was just nonstop for me
1: I want to hear more about Japan let's you know what was what was that experience like playing baseball in Japan you know in in, in let me let me throw this even out there I I, would, I would assume that you are probably one of the few if not the only American, player out there. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah.
0: So, um, so when I played for the, well, we lived in Japan for two years. Um, the first year I played on an American team, mm-hmm. um, it was through the athletic club there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was fine. And my dad and I still got to hit and throw and do all our things. But the second year we moved out towards the American school and that's where Musashi Fuchu Little League was. And as I said, they won the Little League World Series in 2003. Um, we had a connection, um, there because, one of my classmates, um, she actually played for the team as well. Oh, so really? Bessie Knowles, nice. who um, softball for Stanford, mm-hmm. um, she on the team as well and um, ended up being That's on the team. Awesome. Had a quite, quite a career, actually. But, yeah, we were the only two there, and um, I got to play on the little league team. And that was – I mean, it was an incredible experience. I mean, my dad always tells the story of, like I said, you know, they, they put me in the outfield. And, mm-hmm. You know, when you're in the U.S. and you think you're cool, you catch the ball with one hand, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Japanese are all about – Oh, technique, 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 you know, mm-hmm. catch with two hands, you know, you make smooth throws, all that. So I'm in the outfield and I, I catch a fly ball and I catch it with one hand and immediately, I'm, you know, coach, coach yells and has me come in. He says, no, you're catching it with two hands. What? Yeah. So the next time you don't do it, you run the pole and then at the end of the pole, you have like wrist curls, basically. Oh, and I'm like, dude, I'm eight. Like, come on. Like I can catch with one hand. Like, I think I'm really cool. <laughs> so I catch it with two hands for a little bit and all of a sudden I forget and I catch it with one hand and he just points. I just, you just get a finger to the center field wall. And so I'm running poles for like 10 minutes. And oh, every, geez. every time I hit the end of the pole, I'm doing these wrist curls. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a great experience and it taught me a lot of fundamentals. I mean, I could go on and on about, you know, the way practice was and, you know, how, um, you know, the first day I was there, you know, they say practice is at eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I show up at seven fifty, thinking I'm early. No, no, no. They're already done with stretch at seven fifty. The like uh-huh. practice starts at eight o'clock. Oh wow. So yeah, it was it was pretty nuts, but a great experience, and I absolutely loved it. And um, I think it it's partially the reason why mm-hmm. I am the way I am, and how you know, focused on the fundamentals, and focused on my swing, and focused on you know what I what I mm-hmm. want to you know prove on.
1: So what do you think you, it, it, whatever you can remember of this? What do you think you you took? away from the most important thing that you think you took away from that experience playing,
0: uh, in Japan? Um, honestly, just, you know, like I said, the fundamentals and, you know, the little things really do matter. And, um, they're so diligent about their work. And I think it's more about the work, mm-hmm. uh, for me, cause you know, if you ask anyone, I'm the first one in the cage. And most of the time the last one out, you know, I've, I've learned as I've gotten older, you, know, you don't need as many reps sometimes like yes, work your butt off, but at the same time, I'm 25 now. My swing's not really going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going into hit, I'm going into hit, make sure I'm loose, make sure my swing feels right. I'm not yeah. trying to go in and like change my swing today. Cause it's just not happening mm-hmm. like that. It, that takes months. Yeah. So, um, you've definitely gotten better about that, but yeah, growing up, it was just, you know, how diligent is your work going to be today? How much are you going to hit? How, you know, someone going to work harder than you today. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was what I took out of the whole experience because practice was eight hours. Yeah, you know, we practiced from eight in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, really? Wow, it was, it was insane. Yeah, Japanese Little League is no joke. How
1: many was that like? It was five days so, a week or so.
0: No, it was it was just the weekends. During the week, um, you would every now and again have like an hour thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was the weekends, and so we practiced at eight a.m. We'd be done at four. The whole morning would be defense. Mm. And you'd have like an hour break in there, lunch, and, um, you know, double plays for an hour in the morning at one point. Mm-hmm. In the afternoon, you'd have, you know, five groups of different hitting stations and, you know, some kids will be hitting like aped up baseballs because they've been hit so much into a fence as like soft toss. Then you have your T-work station and then you have like three hitting stations live on the field. Wow. And, like, then you have a shagging group and like it, it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll do that for like eight hours for a day. Wow. And then you'll do it on a Sunday and then. That's your practice. Just then, fundamentals. Oh, no, it's just fundamentals to an extreme. Wow. Um, yeah, like I said, just diligent work. Like they're just really putting in their work. Yeah, like I said, I think that's what I really took away from it.
1: So when you move from Japan back stateside, did you move back to Oregon? Yeah. So we
0: had a we had the same house um, that I moved. I lived at the the Mariners mural in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got to keep it. Um, my dad had a cool setup with his with his work. Yeah, that allowed us to do that. So which was. Um, you know, the transition so mm-hmm. was great. So
1: you, you come back home at what age were you at this point? So I lived in Japan, um,
0: 2003 to second and third grade. Okay.
1: Um, so you come back, you're fourth grade, fourth grader.
0: And, um, this is when you begin to start doing the switch hitting, switch hitting, catching all that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, um, I had that fall ball coach that wanted me to catch and stuck with it.
1: Yeah. So you move in, you're, you're playing ball 2007. Yeah. You know, 2007 seemed to be a, a pretty interesting year for you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, baseball-wise.
0: Yeah, Little League World Series was in 2007. Um, we ended up third in the U.S. and world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool team. Um, we had a lot of, you know, really, in all honesty, a little overdeveloped kids for 12 years old. I mean, I was the smallest one. I was 4'11 at the time, like mm-hmm. barely 100 pounds. Um, and I was the small. I mean, we had two guys like that on our team. Mm-hmm. And the rest were like five, 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 seven, five, eight, six, two, six, three. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. We had, a, we had a couple guys that were, were pretty solid Fun group to be on. Yeah.
1: And now is it kind of, uh, you know, kind of like going and, you know, you're staying with a host family while you're there. or are you guys staying in a hotel? So how, that um, how was that
0: experience? So you play districts and um, districts, district four in Oregon is uh, Lake a Beaverton area. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Tiger to Walton, Murray Hill, all, you know, that, that general area, Yeah, the, um, I would call it the Metro I five corridor mm-hmm. up to, um, you know, 26 kind of, Yeah, and, um, so then we won that and then we went to state, which that year happened to be in Portland. So we got to stay at home and district ones in North Portland area. Um, there's nine or 10 districts in the state of Oregon. I don't know if that's changed mm-hmm. um, since then, um, uh, but went to state and um, kind of ran through state. Our pitcher was a strike away from throwing a perfect game in the state championship. Oh, wow. Um, and I specifically remember the umpire telling our other catcher, yeah, I had to call that a ball and walk the guy because he was throwing a perfect <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, hands up throwing a no-hitter. Um, go to regionals, and in regionals, they have like little barracks kind of set up mm-hmm. um, down in San Bernardino. So uh, we're set up, and our barrack was connected to either Hawaii or Washington. I can't remember We're all like, they were all so close to each other. Yeah. You have like, you share a bathroom kind of thing. Um, So we stayed there and uh, ended up having a tough regional and um, lost to Washington. And uh, and it had to end up coming back um, and playing them in the championship again. So that was pretty cool. It was a cool experience there. And then getting to the Little World Series, they have the freaking setup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. These, they're like little dorms, like, a bunk room and you got you got an entire arcade set up like the pool is like an olympic sized swimming pool food whatever you want like it's Mm -hmm. all there and i'm i'm sure it's even gotten nicer like I i look on tv and there's no doubt about it that it's nicer because all these kids are fully decked out in whatever gear they want like when we were there you got gear but it wasn't the same yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nuts. It's a pretty cool experience.
1: What do you guys do between between the games? Are you going and watch? Would you, did you go watch other games? I mean, were you just chilling, practicing?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, you, you practice every now and again. Um, you kind of practice every day, get some baseball activity in. But in all honesty, you're eating, you're hanging out, playing video games. Uh, you go watch some games. Um, I got into pin collecting when I was there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you kind of get a pin from every Little League team and sometimes trade them around there. Um, it's kind of a cool thing just so you have like a little piece of everyone. Yep. Um, I got, uh, I started trading some shirts around with other teams. I actually have a shirt from Chandler little league. Um, the same little league team that Cody Bellinger played on. So, uh, when we were moving out last, uh, two years ago and when my parents sold their house, they're going through all these old little league, sends me a picture of one and says, Hey, I think I'm going to keep this one. And I look on the back of it and it's, chandler literally and it's got cody bellinger like the second name on there oh wow! so i'm like yeah you probably should keep that one
1: yeah yeah that is definitely should keep that yeah, one. yeah no
0: it's a cool experience and um any kid that gets to go there is pretty lucky so mm-hmm. i definitely consider myself lucky
1: excellent so you you come back you know you guys finish uh third in the united states fifth in the world you come back where, do you, where do you go from there
0: so my little league experience wasn't my favorite um talked earlier off there about, you know, there's a lot of politics. Oh, mm-hmm. um, well, I kind of felt like in little league, there was a lot of politics, you know, parents are playing their friends, kids. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I just wanted to get away. Uh, I went and played travel ball for two years, got away from the Lake Oswego area, a lot with kids in Beaverton, Tualatin, Tigard, kind of wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, 17, I played with the Lobos. Actually, Tom Campbell's son was the one who ran that. Mm-hmm. And, um, So I played for them for a year and then kind of went on and, uh, play and did some travel ball stuff through that. And then, and, um, played for diamond sports my second year, um, down in Walton, isn't where they're located now, but they were located in Wilsonville back Mm -hmm. when I played for them. And it was a great experience, you know, got to play, um, 60 to 80 games every year, uh, before fall ball. And then, um, got to hone into my craft.
1: Okay. And then, uh, so you you played the travel ball and, and how often was that like a year round or was that just during the summer
0: or what? Um, so for me it was year round. I mean, the team didn't really, team didn't really practice year round. We started practicing in like February. Um, we'd go down to Vegas each year and then I'd go down to Redding and do mm-hmm. the, um, like little big down there. Mm-hmm. So we had to play in, you know, the Yankees replica stadium and, uh, play in, uh, Way park and have the monster there at like 330 feet you know it's yeah. kind of cool um, but yeah you you know it was it was all spring all summer and then it would end right around fall um, I'm trying to think uh, a couple years in there I played soccer competitively so I'd be done in the fall and uh, you know baseball was still in my back pocket mm-hmm. but you know I had to do something else
1: yeah so you then let's transition into your uh, your high school years I know we talked off air You would started off at uh, Lake Oswego High. And then, uh, so you played there for about a year and then you, uh, transfer over to, uh, kind of a (laughs) city rival, uh, Lake Ridge high. Yep. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about your experience at Lake Ridge. You know, you played three years on varsity there.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, as we talked off air, um, the experience at LO wasn't my favorite. Um, I felt like there were more politics. I felt like, um, I got judged because I wasn't the biggest kid on the field mm-hmm. still. Um, like I said earlier, I mean, my Little League team was a bunch of the guys that I played with freshman year. They're all gargantuan. Like, they're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, there was a lot of the politics there because of size. And, you know, I felt like I always put more work in them. And just didn't. it didn't come up, you know, the way I wanted. And um, I remember having a really bad experience on summer ball with the JV team. I felt like I, you know, didn't get my shot. There was the size issue, and then flat out, I just felt like there was just a horrible coaching issue there as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember making a call to uh, Colin Griffin at Lake Ridge, now the head coach at Jesuit. And um, hey, can we meet sometime? Yeah, sure, no problem. So my dad and I drove to the Starbucks on McVay, sat down, and I had a list of questions for him. And I'm start rattling wow. them off. I remember at LO, they didn't want me to switch hit either. Big no-no, apparently. Mm-hmm. They wanted to swing or do all this. And I was like, look, like this is what's made me successful. I'm a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Looked at Griff, and I go, would you ever make me stop switch hitting? He said, hell no. Like, I'm a switch hitter. Like, someone tells you no, that's when you look at him and say, no, I'm going to do it because this is who yeah. I am. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was a great conversation. And I, I looked at my dad afterwards, and I go, where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. So I went in sophomore year, and um, Spencer um, Spencer Pearl was another catcher at Lake Oswego that had transferred over at the same time. So he was a starting catcher on varsity um, my sophomore year at Lake Ridge, and um, I played most games on JV. I swung a little bit and got to play on varsity a couple of times. Had a really good experience over there, really became, you know, the driven player that I am. Mm-hmm. And I remember, <clears throat> sorry about that. I remember having the conversation before we played LO. Hey, like, this is going to be a competitive series. Like, you know what you're getting into, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, no problem. And I remember playing out of my mind. I think I only got out twice. JV coach that I had a horrible experience with comes over to me and goes, I made a huge mistake out of you. You will. Part I left out, summer ball experience was so bad that at the end of it, the coach told me I would never amount to anything in baseball. Yeah. He looked at me straight in the eyes and said, you will not amount to anything in baseball. So he apologized for that the next year. And, you know, the next couple of years were, were great at Lakeridge and had a really good senior year and mm-hmm. player of the year. and um, Yeah, Lakeridge was great to me. It was yeah. awesome. So I read a
1: couple articles. Uh, one of them said that uh, in high school, Hummel blossomed into a collegiate prospect displaying an impressive mix of power and keen batting eye with terrific defensive skills behind the plate. And, and then the other piece of that is is that you go on to say, I remember going to high school, hitting this high school, hitting barn with my dad for hours I'd hit after school. And then again, after my homework was done, it was all I wanted to do. I know we we talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, you, you bring up your dad, dad, a lot. I mean, do you, would you say your dad's probably one of the big, more, the most influential person in
0: your life? Oh, no doubt. He probably is the most influential. Hmm. And, uh. I probably don't tell him that enough and, but I know he knows it and said in the article, like I definitely mentioned it and right now we've definitely talked about it, but yeah, he's, he's the one that's always pushed me.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he's made me who I'm at, who I am. How often do you, how you, how often do you talk to your dad? All the time. Yeah. So they, they're they actually here right now. They, um, they have a motor home and, uh, they bought it my junior year of college and started, uh, traveling around and following me and, Mm-hmm. You know, going wherever I am and watching baseball and how they um, they come to spring training every year and mm-hmm. um, they go out to wherever I am for about a month and then then at home. Yeah,
1: oh, that's really cool. Um, how about your mom? Like, uh, you know, she she the uh, the sports mom that goes everywhere and is wearing every uh possible bit of apparel that you can wear <laughs> to support you the funniest
0: thing is that she hated baseball before she hadn't really hated it. yeah so she her only b in high school was in pe because they had a test on baseball oh. and she was so mad she's like i didn't get valedictorian because of baseball are you kidding me i don't care who how how you turn a double play what the <laughs> second baseman does so we always joke and now you know i'll come home and She's sitting watching MLB Network. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, she's like, oh, the Brewers just got so-and-so. I'm like, how do you know this before me? Like, My teammates all joke that I know about it before everyone else, and it's really because she texts me before I even get on Twitter. <laughs> so I can thank my mom for that. Yeah.
1: So you play in baseball, unleashed this beast inside oh, your mom.
0: It's a total. She adds more fuel to the fire than anyone else.
1: Okay, so there's got to be there's got to be a funny story behind behind this with your mom and and baseball. What's what, let's give me if you if you can th- one off the top of your head that's that's PG rated. What's 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 a really good funny, fun story that brings a smile on your face about your mom with baseball?
0: I mean, I just sit there and laugh about you know, like I said, coming home from school. and She's sitting there watching MLB Network. She's like, "Hey, did you just see the play on this?" I'm like, "Mom, I just sat. I sat in class for six hours. Like, I'm not. I'm not watching a baseball game mm-hmm. in class." And she's like, "Oh my god! Like, Ichiro just made the best throw ever. Like, this is incredible." Or she's out there yeah. watching, like, she loved Derek Jeter, and she absolutely loved the way he played. She's like, "She's like, did you see that play yesterday?" I'm like, "Mom, like, I'm. I got homework. Like, you just told me to go write my paper. What do you think <laughs> I'm doing?" It's just funny how she got so into it so fast, and like, mm-hmm. you know. She never really played catch or anything like that. She wasn't like that mom, but she, you know she tried every now and again. Yeah, but she would just come out and watch, and she just absolutely loved it. And she got so wrapped into it, and you know I know my grandma says it to her too, and she's just like, yeah, "Did you ever think you'd be this wrapped up in baseball? Like mm-hmm. you hated it in high school. Like, yeah, this is this is the <laughs> last thing you ever expected, and yet your son sleeps and breathes baseball. Yeah, so yeah, no, that, I mean that's." kind of the funniest thing like about her I mean there's not like one specific story it's just like it's a constant thing Mm -hmm. and then um older I've gotten I just know uh, you know my fiance sat at games with her before and my mom just like grips her hands like oh my god I'm so nervous and she's (laughs) like what are you doing like my mom just gets so amped up about things like my sister was at games every now and again in high school and in college and I know my mom was like a freaking wreck when we were playing Lake Oswego my senior Mm -hmm. year and my sister was there and my mom was like, Oh my God, like what's going on? Like, Oh my God, he's stepping up to the plate. Oh my God. They hit him again. Like what's it, what are they doing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Just the number of times that like, she's so wrapped up to in into mm-hmm. it. Like it's almost like a stressor for her at times. Like yeah. she absolutely loves watching it and she loves watching me play and she's gotten way better. But I just know, yeah. you know, growing up and like when it really, you know, you know, mattered kind of mm-hmm. like the quote unquote, everyone thinks this is what really matters trying to get into college or you know going from college to pro ball mm-hmm. my first two years of pro ball and her just going oh my god he really needs this hit right here he needs to play tomorrow <laughs> and it's like come on like come on, come on like have a, you know relax a little bit you're yeah. way more stressed out than i am but yeah yeah i know because she, she loves me and she cares it's just it's really funny and that's h- awesome. how much she absolutely loves the game now
1: i remember um i remember with my mom and my dad my my dad never really said much, uh, you know, playing baseball. But I, I knew he, he'd come to as many of the uh, games and events as they could. And I remember I got hit right across the glove with a bat one time. Yeah. And that hurt like all can be. And I'm like, oh, like this. And my mom wanted to run on the field. My dad's grabbing my mom. I'm like, Jane, don't go out there. <laughs> Jane, don't go. And she's like, no, my
0: baby. That, that's like literally for me. I dove back to first base. And actually one of your one of your old uh, interviewers that you had on the show, Clayton Gelfand. Mm-hmm. So this story, we're in fall ball dive back to the base and Clayton and I went to kindergarten together. Mm -hmm. And so we hadn't seen each other for years. And I come back from Japan and he's catching at the time. I didn't realize it was him. I dive back to first base and I get a ball straight into my lip. Oh, it's Clayton that threw it. And I'm gushing blood. Like my mouth has absolutely like just gushing. I have a (laughs) split lip and my mom is like freaking out. Like my dad's like over there, like looking at my face, like that doesn't look too good. (laughs) Our family friend, Paul holds my mom back and says, I got this. I'll run out there. So he runs out from the snack shack and grabs like an entire roll of paper towels Mm. and he's coming out there. And he even talks about it today about how he, how my mom was freaking out and how he, then he gets up there. He goes, Oh, I got a little squeamish there too. He goes, you had so much blood there. You filled about three paper towels in a matter of like two seconds and still wanted to keep playing. Yeah. My mom knows, my mom knows all about it. And she knows what it's like at this point, and she just she rolls with the punches.
1: Wait, was Clayton? You? I'm sure you and Clayton have talked about that story a few different times. Yeah, we've
0: brought it up a couple times. You know, <laughs> what does he say? Oh, like, uh, not a, not too much. I mean, he's a competitor. Yeah, he's a bleeder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but you know, you you mentioned
1: uh, you know your senior year, you did you know you were named Oregon six A all state to the six A all state team. Um, and I believe 6A is probably the highest level of competition in the state, correct? Yep. yep. Um, you're named Three Rivers League Player of the Year along with First Team All League Selection. Uh, you had a hell of a senior season. You, had, you, batted, you said you batted 576, yep. three home runs, 28 RBIs, and you had eight doubles and three triples. And not only, not only were you good on the field – but off the field you were in a national honor society.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the other thing that isn't added in there and I I've messed around doing lessons with kids uh, mm-hmm. in the off season and I always tell them this um along with the 576 I got walked f- 35 times that yeah. year. So, we only played 27 games, so that's uh I got walked a decent amount too. Mhm. But uh, yeah, no, senior year was great and we had, you know, a pretty good team and bunch of, bunch of really good dudes and you know, it was a blast. You know, uh, um, yeah, I was I was named Player of the Year for the Three Rivers League. Um, the Pitcher of the Year actually went to University of Portland with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I got this competitive edge to me, batting five seventy six with a few home runs, some doubles and triples, like you kind of expect to be Atray Player of the Year mm-hmm. or Six A Player of the Year. Um, the Six A Player of the Year actually ended up being Cooper Styles who went on to pitch at Oregon, um, pitcher of the year, ended up winning Gatorade player of the year that year and being the competitor I am, I've never lived that down in Mm -hmm. college. Like I was so (laughs) mad all the time. I was like, he hit 200 points lower than me. Like, how does he win that? that? He's a pitcher and a hitter, but he, he's, he hit 150 points lower than me. Like, how do you win that? Like, I don't know, (laughs) but I'm just so competitive. It doesn't even matter. And, um, I was yeah it was a great year, and you know looking back, I just always laugh about how competitive mm-hmm. I am about that and, you know in all reality, you know they're not playing anymore and um, and I am, and it's like that stuff doesn't really matter yeah but it was it was a great year, a lot of fun a lot of really good players in the area that year too um, mm-hmm. a lot of us went on to go play college ball and that um, yeah, was a good group. yeah, let's talk about
1: your recruiting college recruiting let's talk about that 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 you know how how that went for you and when was that first you know moment that you Kind of really felt like, hey,
0: you know, I I can, I can make this into
1: to college ball.
0: So, from day one, I've said I'm playing professional baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm playing in the big leagues. So college was obviously you know a step forward. And um, sophomore year came around, and um, I had a, had a good sophomore year and uh, determined to play college baseball. So I went to a ton of camps that summer. Went and uh, went down to Stanford. Um, just things like that. And uh, I was just very determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a lot of tools that were really good. And uh, I remember so- after sophomore year, we were playing a summer ball game. University Pacific was there. Just finished my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty good game. Uh, you know, nothing crazy, like not three home runs or you know something that really stood out. Mm-hmm. But Griff comes into the huddle after the game. Boston, Griff was like, this is a learning experience. You guys got to play with effort. You got to do this, this, and this. And then he goes, just so you guys know, there's a scout standing in the stands from university of pacific and we had college coaches come to games all the time you mm-hmm. know. that's just how college recruiting works like guys show yeah. up and they watch you play and he goes you know who they wanted to see and he's not even the senior Hummel. they said he should graduate early and come play at pacific <laughs> and i'm like i'm like you just told me this in front of everyone like yeah thank I, you I'm like thanks that's pretty cool but at the same time i'm like oh god like they're going to hate me. They're going to hate me. Like, yeah. No, but it was pretty cool. Like, it was a cool experience, but it was like that moment I was like, okay, like I'm doing something right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it just kind of kept, you know, kept doing the same thing and just kind of kept going not through the motions, but like kept doing what got me to where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing. And just college, college recruiting is so different now. And I'm, yeah, but it's so different now than it was when I was in high school. Now, if you're a sophomore in high school and haven't committed somewhere, your time is ticking. Yeah. And I remember, like, I hadn't committed anywhere. And if, if nowadays was like it was when I was in high school, I would have been screwed. Yeah. I, I didn't have to hit a huge growth spurt. I had good tools. Mm-hmm. But, like, all these coaches want guys on varsity that are 6'3 behemoths. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I'm 5'8 Trying to gain weight right now. Like, yeah. What I ended up becoming my senior year. Mm-hmm. And, like like I said, I did lessons in the off season this year. I don't so many guys that should be playing D one college baseball that aren't going to get to play and they're going to have to go to a junior college, which is still a great route, Mm -hmm. but like they're easily division one quality. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy how it works. But, um, yeah, I mean the recruiting process was a grind and, um, it was just as political as high school. Yeah. And, um, just as uh, emotionally taxing at times Mm -hmm. as high school, you know, you're not big enough. You're not, you're not going to amount to this in baseball. You don't do anything that great. Mm -hmm. like, dude, bro. Have you seen me hit? Like, I obviously think I'm a good player. Yeah. Um, my, my teammates now joke, like, I don't think anyone's better than me, Mm -hmm. but that's just the mentality I have to play with. You know, I'm not, I'm not six foot. I'm not 220. You have to have this chip on your shoulder when playing the Mm -hmm. game sometimes. So, I mean, that, that was just always my mentality guys just didn't see it and mm-hmm. just continued to hold that it was just added more fuel to the fire yeah so. so you end up going to university of portland yeah you know um i mentioned Corey casto off the air mm-hmm. um he was my hitting coach and um ball coaches in summer and um i had coach sperry come out six seven times to watch me play over the summer and said off the air i swear he's the reason why mm. Barry came out and saw me so much, and, um, yeah, had a good experience there. It was awesome. Um, ended up getting a new coaching staff my junior year. don't um, know, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed, enjoyed Portland. It was a good experience. You know, I wish, I wish the team was a little better at the times, but you know, I, I had a bunch of great friends there, and we had a great group of guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a lot of fun, but and it, and it got me to where I am. So I, yeah. I couldn't be more happy. And I
1: remember going to a, a UP game last year. And I watched them play Oregon State yeah. over at Ron Hunken Field, which is the home of the Hillsboro Hops, and uh, just I mean they they played a really good game. Oh, against. I mean they're
0: so good now. Like yeah. I have followed them constantly. The team's gonna be really good this year, and I'm I'm excited to see where that program goes.
1: Yeah. Um, so, but you know, let's talk about uh, you know let's talk a little bit about your your college your college career. You wore you wore number two uh, yep. looking at some stuff. Now, was that a number that was given to you? Did you choose it? And if you
0: chose it, why, why, what's the reason behind choosing number two? So, my number in high school was number nine. And, um, sorry, backstory. But, yeah, yeah. My, my number in high school was nine. And I transferred over when I became, uh, I released the teams. They put me on JV to swing so I could, you know, play every day. Mm-hmm. Well, as a swing player, I got to choose my jersey last. And, um, so I, am I'm, I'm in the equipment room, and see like nine, 13 and 27. And I'm like, God, these numbers suck. Like <laughs> I wanted number two. I wanted number one. I wanted yeah. something, something low. And, um, so I grabbed, I grabbed 13. I'm not too happy about it. And day later, one of the older kids wasn't at, you know, wasn't there for that day. And he goes, Hey Coop, I want number 13. Okay, here you go. So I walk in, grab number nine. Griff looks at me, he goes, You know, that's a good My number. He goes, Ted Williams' number. He goes, mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, some of the best players in baseball. More number nine. More yeah. number nine. Yep. And so I like kind of like looked into it and I'm like, Okay, I'm like, I can dig. I can get on board with number nine. <laughs> kind of wrote it out in high school and but I do, I wore number nine. Like, I wasn't not going to wear nine.
2: Mm-mm.
0: War number nine. And after you have a year like that, like, you're not going to want to not wear number nine. Yeah. So, everywhere I went, I just wanted to wear number nine. And, um, yeah, so, got to college. Junior, who was number nine. And I was like, ah, oh, dang. Nine. Mm-hmm. So, coach is actually chose the numbers for us. And I just happened to luck out that I ended up with number two, which is a fantastic number. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, this junior's good enough. Like if, if he gets drafted, like I'll switch this year. And he didn't end up getting drafted. And I was like, okay, well, sophomore year, I'll be number two again. Um, yeah. in, my, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to college for three years. I'm going to get drafted. Probably not the best mindset to have. Mm-hmm just in case something doesn't go right, but, like, that was just how I thought. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just stuck with number two. Um, I loved the low numbers when I was younger, so it was perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, But, yeah, once I got to pro ball, I was, like, number nine, number nine. Like, that's all I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. So, for the last three years, I've had number nine and been really lucky. What was life as, like, a student athlete for you between going – I
1: mean, clearly, if if you know – and maybe the listeners don't know or they do know, but – if you're in the Portland area or in Oregon, you know University of Portland is a very predominant school and high, high on academics. How was it between academic life and being a, an athlete also?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you're very right. Like, it's a great school, and um, it, it's different. Um, I'll be honest. Lake prepared me really well, and I remember telling a high schooler. I was like, oh, I think college is way easier than high school. Part of me probably felt like that because high school, you're given all this busy work, but in college, you have all these tests and homework, and or not as much homework, and you know, and mm-hmm. you know, you get more time. So I loved all the free time that I had, and probably um, didn't use my time wisely in some classes. Mm-hmm. I remember freshman year was direct um, classes, so it's like, oh well, I don't have too much to do. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year hit me and hit me right in the head. Like right in the face, I was like, "Oh God, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, so sophomore year was kind of when I really felt it, but you know being a being an athlete and um, you know they've got a lot of great resources for you. Um, you got to go to study hall too, and you know get your work done there. you know mm-hmm. they, they really harp on you getting getting the grades as well yeah. as being an athlete there. Yeah, it was good, and um, you know, as long as you got your work done. And didn't have too much on the side, or like what weren't you know wasting your time, you know doing the wrong thing. I I I didn't think it was an issue Hmm. personally, but maybe it was because of my major. I know some engineers had a had a tough time. Yeah, so a lot of math. Yeah, definitely, (laughs) definitely. Did you live on campus or did you live off campus?
1: Because I mean, being close. Yeah.
0: So freshman year, I lived on campus, and then sophomore year, I lived off campus, and I lived about six blocks off campus. My roommates in house actually went to Lake Oswego High School. We had known each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Um still is probably one of my better friends. He's mm-hmm. but um yeah, we had a great, great time there and um yeah, lived lived right off campus. It was awesome. Okay. Well we're gonna go into my
1: segment that I haven't done in a little while, but we call it with three questions to get to know you a little bit differently. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit of this off air before we take a before we take a break. I want to ask you three random questions and so the first random question that I'll ask you is is that if you could have any superpower hero or if you could be any of any superpower, what would it be and why teleportation
0: teleportation yeah um just imagine how many bases you could steal with that yeah i mean I, I'm not even thinking from a basis standpoint from uh, aside from baseball I mean. <laughs> Yeah, you know, being away from family and being away from friends, um, tough. You know, you're gone for six, five, six, seven months out of mm-hmm. the year. So, um, yeah, having the ability to teleport and, like, see people. You know, go wherever you want, whenever mm-hmm. you want. You know, I love traveling and stuff. So, just having that ability to do would be awesome. Okay. If you could have any actor play you in a movie, who would it be and why? So, I didn't choose this one. The bullpen in Carolina in twenty. 20- said 2017 earlier, but I think it might've been 2018. We were sitting in Winston-Salem mm-hmm. and we're talking about, um, who would play you in an bio- in, you know, in your autobiography movie. Mm. And I was like, I have no one. And I'm, I'm horrible with actors names. Yep. and They all look at me and they go, you don't even have to answer. We got it. And I'm like, what? Like, Bradley Cooper. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Like Bradley Cooper can play me.
1: There you go. Well, that's pretty cool that some other people chose for you and you have that story behind it. Okay, last question uh, before we take a quick break and hear uh, from the sponsors. Um, You know, what's one thing on your bucket list outside of baseball? What's something on your bucket list that you'd like to accomplish, say, in the next five to
0: ten years? Oh, five to ten. Um, Well, I would have said travel to every continent. But I don't know if that's realistic in five to ten years. Yeah, I'll just say that. But okay, visit, well, vis- know, visit Trump, every continent. Visit every yeah. continent. What's yeah, yeah.
1: what's? Well, because you, you know, you've been to been to you know a couple already. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, Cooper, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna hear from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. What's going on, podcast family? Ben here for Devo Bat Company. Rooted in eastern Washington, Devo uses nothing but the highest quality maple, ash, birch on the market. You know what? It makes a difference. At Devo Bats, they take pride in the craftsmanship that goes into each and every wooden bat produced. Your success at the plate is their ultimate priority. They want you to know when you think of bats, Think of Devo Bats. Devo Bats, your Northwest supplier of affordable quality wooden bats. Hey Podcast Fam, it's Ben here from my friends over at Baseballism. Founded by four former college baseball players and teammates, their love and passion for the game did not stop after leaving the playing field. An amazing organization founded on the beliefs of class, tradition and the history of baseball. I personally shop at Baseballism because of the quality of their products and the the top-of-the-line customer service I get each and every time. Take it from me, an avid hat lover, Baseballism is not your run-of-the-mill apparel company. Check them out at any of their fine locations or visit them online at Baseballism.com. Baseballism, built for the love of the game. Okay, and we are back uh, with Cooper Hummel. And uh, Cooper's just told us some really cool, amazing stories, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled, and I'm enjoying every moment of this, and uh, I'm glad yet again that he is able to sit here and, and spend some time with me um, after, uh, you know, playing ball today. So, uh, again, uh, let's, we just got done talking about, you know, a little bit of your, about your collegiate career, uh, and then I want to go into now talking about the, your tail end of your you know your senior year, and then Um, going into the, you know, preparing for that next level. Let's, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. So, um, I got drafted junior year and, um, my first two years, you know, they were, they were good. Um, I was kind of the bench player, um, Mm -hmm. for my freshman year and sophomore year at an interesting experience where I didn't play for the first few games. Oh man, my season's over. Like I'm not a starter. I'm not going to play. Um, I remember sitting, um, In the locker room, coach comes in, puts the lineup up. We're playing Pepper Nine and H. I'm like, "Oh great!" Well, I text my mom, and this goes back to my mom uh, (laughs) freaking out again. She tells me afterwards. She goes, "Yeah, I had a few more mimosas at breakfast that morning because I was so (laughs) nervous for you. I was freaking out. I only had ten at bats for the year. It was like I um, gotta beat your mom. Oh, she's hilarious. She's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So she." she was telling me that afterwards, but yeah, I had only like 10 at bats on the year, a few strikeouts in there. Like it was like a month and a half in the season. Like mm-hmm. we're already in league play. I'm like, God, season's over at this point. Like, I end up hitting a home run. And I was like, Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. And, um, checked the lineup the next day. Oh, who's playing DH again? Coop. I was like, oh, this is new. This is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing for like about a month. I was hitting like 300 and, um, something happened and, sudden wasn't playing i think you know with some older guys on the team mm-hmm. and Sperry liked to put older guys in sometimes and um one of the weekends i would just you know he was trying to mix it up we hadn't won in a while and take me out and so i didn't play for like two or three games and you know how college baseball is you play weekend series and that's yep. it so you know started getting in my own head i'm a big thinker and uh, the average kind of kind of Hurt because of that, but when you end the season with seventy-eight at bats, like mm-hmm. it only takes a few to drop the average. Um, so yeah, so um, going to junior year and had a great summer. I played for the Bendelks that summer. West Coast League, yeah, you know, big. I played West Coast League for three years. i yep. moved out of high school, and um, after my freshman year was in Walla Walla, and then after my sophomore year was in uh, Bend
1: we we got to talk about, we oh, yeah, yeah. about this West Coast yeah, League yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah.
0: So, um, played for Kevin Koppel and Trey Watt, who were, mm-hmm. at the time, George Fox coaches. Trey Watt ended up coming to UP uh, when the new coaches came in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, had a great experience there. We won uh, we won the West Coast League title that yep. summer. Um, great team. Honestly, that team was one of the best teams I've ever played on. Mm-hmm. So many guys playing pro baseball or had played pro baseball. A couple of them are retired now or uh, have been that team was incredible. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So, um, had a great year. I mean, I was hitting three hundred and forty for most of it. And, Mm -hmm. um, anyways, I I was an all-star that summer and uh, I remember Trey coming up to me and going, yeah, all the scouts are loving you at the all-star game right now. I'm like, that's cool. Like, sweet. Like, I'm glad everyone, you know, like I said earlier, I, Mm -hmm. I think highly of myself just because that's the kind of mentality you have to have in order to, to kind of, keep going mm-hmm. you play with that chip on your shoulder and play with that confidence because if, if you don't think you're better than the pitcher you know you
2: yeah. End up being, yeah you're gonna
0: end up failing so you know i'm like oh well that's cool and he's like yeah like guys were really surprised you haven't played the last couple of years i'm like well i didn't make the lineup so mm-hmm. anyway so going to junior year have a, you know pretty excited and you know looks like i'm gonna play a lot and have a really good fall and coaches like me and you know one, we're, you know, starting by the plate. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And we're down at UC Davis, and I'm four for four. I'm like, well. Oh. And, the, you know, I, I end the weekend hitting 500. Um ended the season. Four home runs? Three home runs? Not, mm-hmm. you know. Not a huge home run total, um, five walks or so, similar to strikeouts, and yeah, you know, just kind of took off from there and showed some really good things, and played a little bit of third base that year when we had another catcher that needed to catch every now and again, or and right, I needed an off day, played a little outfield and showed some versatility, and then um, started getting getting some questionnaires pretty quickly there, and mm-hmm. kind of took off yeah let's uh
1: i want to ask you a quick question though because uh you know since you played in the west coast league um how do you think that experience prepared you playing for the wcl using wooden bats trying to move upward into um professional baseball
0: so i actually hate metal bats Mm -hmm. hate them so i love playing in the west coast league it was my favorite time all year got to play wooden bats and I mean, yeah. that's what I love. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I, I eat, sleep and breathe baseball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's been a big part of my life, Mike, you know, growing up. And, so I actually love the WCL. Yeah. Play all the time and play wood bats. Like I remember there was a point in high school I asked, Hey, can I use a wood bat instead of these BB core bats? Like mm-hmm. this is going to be way better. And wasn't allowed to, but. I like them way better. There's nothing like the sound of a baseball hitting a wooden bat as opposed to a metal bat? Oh, no. I mean, so much better. And then on, mm-hmm. and on top of it, I just like the feel of it better.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, you your junior year, you're
0: then preparing for the draft? Yeah. So um, I was getting some questionnaires and kind of kept playing and kind of going through, you know, the season I was having. And uh, I think by the end of it, I talked to 20... 20- of the 20, uh, 25 of the 30 teams, something, something around
2: there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a couple workouts, um, work out at, um, at the time, Safeco field. Now T-bo- T-Mobile, park, um, for the Mariners and went to Dodger stadium, did a workout there down to San Diego and did a workout with the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it was in San Diego, but it was. Um, I think it was cause their West coast cross checker was down there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it was a good experience. Um, there's not a lot you can do prior to the draft to be like, Oh, well this can improve my draft stock like football. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like football, they have the combine and stuff like that. And yeah, you can do all well the workouts like, but I don't think they improve you that much. Mm-hmm. It's like really what, you know, what did you do on the field? Um, rolled into the draft and, You know, wasn't really sure where I would go. Um, Good family friend who has connections with the scouting world. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been told he could go anywhere from the 4th to the 12th. And I'm like, oh, dang. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, okay, realistically, probably, like, the back half of that, like, 8 to 12, something Mm -hmm. like that. We're done with day one. Knew I wasn't going to get picked there. Calls that night, I'm like, okay, well, on to tomorrow. Watch the whole second day. <coughs> catcher after catcher after catcher, just getting taken. I'm like, on here. I'd been told a little bit beforehand that you know some teams wanted to use me as an outfielder, or an infielder, and mm-hmm. you know later learned um, Tiger Scouts is it's a friend of mine, and he's like, yeah, we were about to draft you as a second baseman. <laughs> you know now I'm like oh well that would have been kind of cool but but at the same time just going through this whole process I was like well, you know what is what's going on like I'm a catcher like why is everyone saying I'm gonna do something else or mm-hmm. you know are all these other catchers getting taken well I look back and you know I, I I'm one of the few guys from that draft between first and the 18th round that are still playing yeah you know back then I didn't really realize it but there's so much politics that goes into the draft. So much, you know, business side. You know, you're using six through the tenth round to save money on guys you want to get later. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. So, anyways, like I said, you know, catcher after catcher after catcher, and we get to the end of the second day. I'm like, God, I'm so mad. Like, I'm going back to school. I'm going to prove them all wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to go hit four hundred. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit ten tanks. Like, um I really didn't want to go back to school though. Like. I really wanted to go play pro ball and I start, my phone starts blowing up. We're at dinner and I mean, Dodgers, Mariners, Marlins, like you name it. They were calling they're like, what's your number? What's your number? What are you going to do? Like, are you going to sign or not? I'm like, I guess you're going to draft me tomorrow. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. Like you're on the board. I was like, okay. Like, Hey, like, let's do this. So we get started going through the, the third day. Okay. 11th. 12, 30. Okay. Like I'm sitting on our kitchen counter. Like what the heck is going on? I'm like having yeah. a little freak out. We get to the 16th round. I start texting back and forth to Seattle. Hey, just pick me. Like I'll take less money for you guys. Only you guys. I'm like, you're like my team. Like just pick me already. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you wanted more money. This is why we're waiting. I'm like, come on. Like, let's, let's just make this happen. And um, all of a sudden he says, Congrats. I'm like, I'm a Mariner. Like, their pick's coming up in two picks. Like, they're going to pick me. Only pick I didn't hear all draft was my own. <laughs> oh, man. I get a call from Sean Whalen. Like I said, we're all celebrating. And I look at my phone and I'm like, 414. Like, this. And it, hello. Oh, and, Hey, Cooper Sean. I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, like, we're really excited to have you on the Brewers, and I'm <laughs> like, oh my god, like, we literally listened to 18 rounds of the draft, and the only pick we yeah, didn't hear was my own pick. <laughs> and we, I know, it was really funny, so we laugh about that. But yeah, it was it was quite an experience.
1: Yeah. So you get picked it. You get picked by um, the Brewers. What was the process like to to negotiate your first contractor they just be like here it is this is what you're
0: getting um yeah they offered um uh, I kind of looked him in the face and said eh, let's try to do a little better and we did that about three times four times and agreed mm-hmm. so I mean it was kind of a pain I, I remember my mom uh, we're sitting there and my mom I kind of like gave him a look and I was like, let's talk about this. And he leaves for like 30 minutes. We're sitting there going back and forth like tensions are high. I'm like, Mm. I just want to go play. And they're like, well, this isn't what you want. And it's like, it's so much back and forth. It was, (laughs) it was a lot. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was a crazy experience to say the
2: least. Mm -hmm.
1: So then you you sign your contract. Did they like, okay, here's a plane ticket. You're flying off to, uh, I believe you went to uh, Montana. Yeah,
0: yeah. I went to Helena, Montana, um, signed my contract, said, hey, your flight's at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Yep, you're flying at 6 a.m. Okay, let's go do this. I packed up whatever I had that I needed for the summer and called it good and was on a flight the next Mm -hmm. morning.
1: Do they, I mean- let me ask you this question: They probably felt
0: like they knew they were going to sign you. Oh, I mean, they they knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty open, not necessarily in the scouting world, but to those around me that I I really wanted to go play. Mm-hmm. I later went back and finished my degree, but man, there was so much going on with with all and. Coaching staff had come in. I loved them. There was a lot of change going on. Yeah, um, and you know, I I had my good year. Mm-hmm. There's always that you know, thing in the back of your head going up next year. Like you yeah. didn't get the first two years to play. Like I I wish you to take this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to go play. I want to go start. Um, and in all reality, you know, for that first year, I was like, God, like I made a dumb choice. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think I played. i played horribly in Helena. I was so worried about how I performed and so worried about making it into the starting lineup. And little did I know someone on a computer is you know, not even the coaches even making the lineup for the, mm-hmm. someone in the front office is saying, Hey, these six guys that we paid a lot of money to have to play fill in the rest three. And it's like, I'm down. Yeah. We had a four, four man catching rotation at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was just like, you know, you're playing once every four days, once every three days, and you might get a DH in there. It's mm-hmm. like, It's tough, you know. Um, So I just kept trying to do too much and really struggled that year. And I I remember thinking back, I was like, God, I made the worst choice to go. Second year, I started off the year um, Phantom, which is yell spot. And basically, you're not heard. They just put you on there as a roster filler for a Mm -hmm. little bit. I got to skip low A. I went straight to high A. So I was cool, but I was basically the third catcher up there. And it wasn't until at bat um, ended up being a great day and proved that I belonged there. Mm-hmm. And due to someone else's you know injury, I got to stay there for the rest of the year and prove that I, you know, hey, I belong. Yeah. Um, but for the first year, year and a half, I was literally going like, did mm-hmm. I do like did I make the right choice? But I look back now and it's like I wouldn't be where I am today if, if I didn't do it.
1: Yeah. You know? So I went on to read so that was like 2016, 2017, 2018 was an interesting year uh for you. Yep. Um you made a made a change on, not of your choosing, but of What I read was the coaches, if I'm correct. Yeah. So you made a change in position.
0: So um, drafted as a catcher. Uh, Like I said earlier, other teams wanted me at other positions. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
0: So I come into spring training. Yeah, like I'm feeling great behind the plate. Like I'm really going to prove myself that I belong back there. Mm -hmm. We had a couple other guys that were a few years younger than me that got drafted the same year, got a lot of... I a coach from seventeen. Joe A. looks at me. and goes, "You ever played in the outfield?" I go, "Yeah." Okay, cool. He was. I want. I want you to do as much as you can to be in the. Okay, like sounds good. Well, I was doing catching work all the all the way up to that, and, and uh, minor league game start and left field, mm-hmm. Hockeys and. Um, big leaguer was rehabbing. He had gotten to third base, and there's two outs, or there's one out, and pop fly to left field. And I'm like, "Let's go!" Like, I love this. Mm -hmm. I love to show off my arm. Like I said earlier, like being that catcher that I just wanted to throw. I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" I come running up and just gun this ball to home plate. Like I was probably 300 feet out. Catcher standing there does not move. Right into his chest, tag out a home plate, and, and I'm you're like, "You're like, this is childhood dream." Come I'm like, true. "Did I just do that? Like, did I just look like Ichiro <laughs> out here? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, I know I'm playing left instead of right, but yeah. I mean, our co- my coach was just going nuts. Joe was he's a very like very uh, animated person. And mm-hmm. He was just whoa, like let's go, like freaking out in the dugout. And, yeah. Um, No, it was great. And then you know, it was going. And I, behind the plate anymore and had one game here and there. Mm -hmm. And then once we got our official team set and I was going to high, a, um, I was listed as a catcher still, but when I got to Carolina, the roster had me listed as an outfielder. And I was like, I know I played well out there, but like, I didn't think I made the switch full time. Little did I know I was not going to catch pretty much all that year. I caught eight games. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was a crazy season. Tried to do way too much. Like like I said, I'm a thinker. Tried to put more pressure on myself than I need to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was hitting rock bottom at one point. Like, God, I miss catching. What the heck am I doing out in the outfield? Like, God, I could do that. Like, why can't I catch? Mm -hmm. Anyways, aside from the point, like, it really hurt my hitting as well because I was so focused on dude, why am I splitting time out here? If you guys really want me to catch. Yeah. Well, or if, I mean, if you really want me to play in the outfield so I can hit long story short is I messed with myself more than I needed to. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a great thing. Um, you know, I attribute a lot of that year to my hitting coach and Bobby Bell and, um, having the faith in me. And then things falling into place at one point and really mm-hmm. just, you know, grinding through that year. You know, I ended up having a really. Ste with uh, seven home runs and it was, it was a really good year. Like, I mean, I've always walked a ton and that really mm-hmm. helped me. And, um, that being an organizational all-star, but you know, never thought it would be as an outfielder. Yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So cool experience, but, uh, yeah, front office and coaches wanted to make a change just so I could, you know, get my bat in the lineup a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. um, Kind of what I've been known for my whole life. That in my arm. And, um, yeah, I realized that, you know, always a reason for these changes mm-hmm. and um, anyone that you ask and they'll say that I'm a person over the last first three years of my career mm-hmm. just because I'm trying to prove people wrong all the time. Um, mm-hmm trying to, you know, I'm out there freaking out, like, God, I should be playing more. I should be hitting better. Instead, like, just doing what I'm doing. Yeah. uh,
1: Playing ball. Yeah, playing ball and having fun. Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. Being like a
1: kid again. Exactly. So, yeah. No, so it was really good. So, last year, 2019, you move up to double A Biloxi with the Shuckers of the Southern League. Um, See, You played 121 games. In Biloxi, uh, you hit 249 with 17 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what's interesting about it is I was reading one of the articles that they wrote on wrote about you uh, about when your time in Biloxi last year. And it says, you said you weren't attempting to join the, quote, fly ball club revolution. Um, and, you know, it's the first time you hit that many home runs in, uh, in, in minor league ball. You know, you know, what changed for you uh, from the previous couple years to last year?
0: Um, So last year kind of started off a little bit of the same way that 18 did, unfortunately. Tried to do too much. I put more pressure on myself I hate not playing every day. Just, <laughs> that's my personality. I want to play. I want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was doing pretty well for a little bit and then went through a stretch where I was basically the pigeon. it i did did really well at it but Mm -hmm. i'd get the game in and all of a sudden oh like this is my time to shine like i gotta go four for four so i can play tomorrow yeah which in all reality would it have helped me maybe maybe not like again there's other reasons why certain guys play sometimes and Mm -hmm. um you know we got to halfway through the year and uh, i was really at a point where i just said. Girlfriend at the time, now fiance, is was sitting at home, and I'm like, I don't get to see her like more than like a month, like once, mm-hmm. maybe once, you know, every month and a half. It sucks. I want to go see my friends. I want to hang out. Like, I'm sitting here, like. So I basically just said, screw it. Like, I think I'm borderline about to get released because I'm not doing that well. We just had one of our top prospects come down mm-hmm. as part of his rehab stint. And someone's got to make room at my hitting coach. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going out there and just playing. I'm going to be as early as I can. And I'm going to try to just see what happens. Mm-hmm. He goes, That's awesome. I had some telling him that I'm worried about getting released. Like it is, it is, you know, trust me, you're not the one getting released. He already knew. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, whatever. One of the other guys gets released. I'm like, oh, right. And so, start, you know, reality. And all of a sudden, see my average start climbing a little bit. I, I had put some homers out throughout the year. Um, but, you know, by July, especially I had 20, I had 12 home runs in 29 games. Oh, wow. And um, it's that mentality that I, you know, I was trying to catch balls. Out. just not caring. Like mm-hmm. just having fun, seeing the ball, hitting the ball, throwing the bat at the ball off. And, look at my stat line, my splits from the year before all seven of my home runs were left-handed. Well, last year I had seven home runs right-handed and Mm -hmm. 10 left-handed. Um, so, you know, talk about the fly ball revolution. I I hate to say it. I joined it from the right side because that's my approach now because I was so downhill. I was ingrained growing up, you know, ground balls, ground ball, ground ball, my right-handed swing. had just developed, you know, a natural, like just downward trend and trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had to overcorrect. And, you know, when you look at it on a video, I have a flat swing right-handed, but I had to tell myself, Hey, hit a pop up to second base. So I, you know, I feel like I'm swinging straight up, but it's really flat. Um, as far as left-handed goes though, like, you know, relaxed, mm-hmm. had fun. Uh, you know, I, I really kept that same mentality and mindset going into this year too. You Getting up there. I'm just having fun. I'm swinging it Mm -hmm. nice and easy. Be early. Always seen the ball really well. I'm not worried about swinging and missing my pitch. I'm going to swing. If it's not, oh well. Yeah. Like, it's just how it is. Some people look, probably are listening and why aren't you going to swing if it's, you know, in the zone? I'm just super selective. I have teammates that joke and say, oh, Coop didn't swing. It's not a strike. (laughs) It's like, I mean, to an extent I really believe that, but hey, that's another story. But <laughs> um but yeah, so just just the mental mindset of just go out there, have fun, you know. If all ends tomorrow, I'm not gonna want to be mad about mm. it. last year around the midway point, I would have been really mad at myself. Something happened and I ended and I'm angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, If I go out tomorrow, and I get hurt, and something happens. Devastated, absolutely. But in the end, like I gave literally everything I got, and mm-hmm. I had fun playing. I'm taking it easy. I'm just enjoying it. You know? Yeah. So I think that was the biggest thing, and I'm really trying to carry that into this year. And you know, like I'm really right on the cusp. Like I, right before this, I was talking to a buddy of mine last year, and you know, we've got a ton of great players mm-hmm. uh, with the Brewers this year. I mean, our outfield is. Lorenzo Cain, who's a gold glover, Ryan Braun, who is a former MVP, and Christian Yelich, who, in my opinion, should have won the MVP last year for yeah. the second year in a row. And then you sign Aviso Garcia from the Rays, who's getting $10 million a, you know a year, who steals like 30 bags and hit 30 home runs in a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, outfield. You got a couple of catchers back there. Manny Pena, who's a great defensive catcher. Or Navarez, who we traded from, from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And you got like 40 other guys are at Bigley Camp invites and we're just sitting there like, like we're going back to double A. Like, is that really going to be the case? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we're kind of, we were talking about how, who cares? Like, yeah. Um, got to have fun with it. And like, mm-hmm. there's so many unknowns that you just control it. So you might as well just do it. Yeah. You know?
1: How's it like, um, you know, you're bringing it, being at spring training um, I'm uh, sure you're probably communicating, talking with some of these, you know, with the Yelich and the other players yeah. that you mentioned. Um, what's con- what's those conversations like with those
0: players? Um, definitely, they're definitely unique. Um, I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with Yelich this year. Um, last year, I remember being in, um, at the uh, Angel Stadium. Wes Wilson, Bryce Terang um, were standing next to Yelich on the railing. Yelich was DHing that day. And I'm telling you, those three at bats were the most impressive ever seen. But sitting there, kind of talking about hitting, kind of not like you don't talk about it with him because mm-hmm. you're not how, you know, you're not sure. You're like the minor leaguer on the side. You're like, do I say this? Or not and kind of talk about it. He goes, guys, you want a tip? Yes, like we're all ears. <laughs> and he goes, swing at the first pitch. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm a selective hitter. Like Wes is a pretty selective hitter. I haven't gotten to play with Bryce yet, but mm. like watching him play in spring training, like, yeah, he knows what he's swinging at. Knows what he's looking for. We're like, what are you talking about? He's like spring training, dude, fastballs, like swing. Don't swing at the first pitch. You're out. And I'm like, this is the stupidest advice I've ever heard of. And so he goes up there, swings at the first pitch, first step out laser, right at the second baseman. Just the hardest hit line <laughs> drive I've ever seen comes back he goes I'm out but at least I hit it hard next at bat crushes this ball off the wall first pitch okay so two most impressive swings I've seen third at bat chooses not to swing he strikes out swinging at the third pitch comes back in he goes what I tell you guys <laughs> and then we're just like what the heck like so other than that like I haven't had a ton of you know conversations with Yelich like I I've sat and watched him mm-hmm. um, kind of try to observe more than I talk yeah um, that's more the biggest thing like, I can know watching mm-hmm. him last year and I, like I said I haven't got to see him a lot this year and kind of doing his own thing for a little bit you know a lot of the the big name guys Kane Yell, they don't really get into games for like a week or two
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but like I, I today I, I talked to Ben Gamble a lot and um, you know, you're just trying to hang out with the guys, you know, yeah. it's you know, not a lot of conversation about the game as much as it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some really good dudes though.
1: Are you guys like practical jokers in like the locker room or, or um, uh, in the, uh, in the dugout at all? Like what, what what's that life like?
0: Um, you know, so when you're on the big league side, trying not to be seen. If you ask me, mm-hmm. um, I know that sounds really weird don't want to be noticed, especially for a negative thing. So we're over there, you're not, and you're not, not really happening um, during season. Yeah. You know, you see the you know, gum on the hat and your seeds at during an interview. going up. And some guys have their entire locker sitting on the ceiling mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I'm not really usually that guy. I'm usually they're laughing. Probably he's going to blow the secret. in mm-hmm. all honesty because I'm, just I mean, shut. Cause I'm <laughs> laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's some funny guys on the team always. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh,
1: you know, we talked a lot about your career. Um, and then, uh, you know, in, in baseball in general and you playing, but let's, let's step aside and let's, let's take a, you know, a different approach now and let's go to you as a, as a baseball fan. Um, you know, and like I told you off air, you know, we really, you know, big part of starting this podcast was to, really helped the, the, the the effort to bring professional baseball to uh, Portland. And then, you know, you, you know, from traveling from, you know, the Portland Metro area up to Seattle, it's about a three or so hour drive and making that commute. Um, you know, what would it mean to you to have a a professional team more local, uh, closer to where you used to live, uh, you know, than having to travel up to port, up to Seattle?
0: I, I would love it. I mean, I think it would be absolutely awesome. Um, I'm, I was excited beyond belief when I heard Portland was, you know, one of the mm-hmm. for potentially getting a team. Well, I, I think that would really be one of the best things for Portland. Uh, Portland Beavers were, you know, following, but, you know, at the Hillsborough hops out there. I mean, that thing's packed every game. I feel yeah. like I mean, I know I'm not there, but I've seen pictures and that thing is loaded to the mm-hmm. max. Like every time I've seen a picture of it. Um so obviously people like it and people enjoy it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. instead of staying where they're at. Um, Tampa Bay Rays may be moving like have mm-hmm. stadium issues is what you know most of the reasons yeah. why. But A, one, adding life to guy's career. That'd be great in that regard. But mm-hmm. having it in Portland, too, like, there isn't really a better spot, in my opinion, to have... Mm-hmm. Playing baseball in Portland, playing, playing baseball in that area in general, great. I mean, yeah. I've, I've traveled, like I said, Biloxi, Carolina, like, I'm sorry to people that live out there, but I don't know how you do it in the summer. That hot. is hot. Mm-hmm. And, and it is huge. Like last year, I'd walk off the field and I'm like, I'm dripping. Like my jersey adds ten pounds to me. Mm-hmm. Playing in the Northwest, I've never had that happen to me. So, like from yeah. a player standpoint, like just having the ability to play up there would be awesome. And mm-hmm. then, just I know the way that I mean, I am as a Blazer fan, and the way that the Blazers get followed,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I can only imagine. You know, Portland's team, you know, whether Beavers or the Mavericks or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, will be.
1: Yeah. So, there's been a lot, there's some, been some names thrown out there. And I know we talked off air about the Portland Mavericks. You know, they used to have the Portland Beavers um, as a triple A team. Um, you know, I've even heard some people throwing out the Steelhead. Uh, yeah. th- so, the Swifts is, you know, another name. Um, you know, is there something that like sticks out to you that's like, even the Pioneers? Because, you know, we did an episode, you know, when we first started about Portland Pioneers being the very first club ball in the Portland area right. yeah, yeah, like yeah. back in the day, um, you know, you know, it, does it the name matter? Or just getting the, you know, getting the team and then, you know, you'll follow, you know, Hey, the, whatever name's in the name.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of think you just got to get the team there in all honesty. Yeah. I mean, having a, having a cool name is always good. I know everyone loves, you know, the minor leagues cause they are all these cool names like mm-hmm. Biloxi Shuckers. Oh, they'd have an oyster on their hat. Like, yeah, like, or you know the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Like that's incredible. <laughs> so I mean, I mean,
1: there's like the was it New Orleans? They had the baby cakes.
0: Yeah, the baby cakes, and then yeah. you've got you know the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love that? Um, so my thought is, you know, if you have a great name, that's great. But in all reality, once you get to the big leagues, there's not the flashy jerseys type of thing. It's you know very professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it just nonetheless, getting a team there would be incredible. Yeah, I you know whether it's the Mavericks or the Beavers or you know the Swifts or the Steelheads, uh, I'm slightly partial to the Mavericks or the Beavers, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it would be awesome no matter what.
2: Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, are you more of a water like hey let's put it down by the waterfront like when they're talking about with Terminal Two or as you know some potential rumors floating around about it being up by the the Lloyd Center which would give it right by the Mass Trans
0: and so on. Uh, I'm partial to downtown near the Moda Center, near Memorial Coliseum. Um, there was uh, talk about the old uh, school district. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. So um, there was talks about that and hopefully getting it down there. You know, I, I don't know. I've done the drive to up to, you know, North Portland, you know, being at you. Mm-hmm. If you've ever gone up to the bridge, it's a, it's a pain mm-hmm. to that direction. Like. I've golfed Terran Lakes, and that's pretty close to Terminal Two. That's it's a pain at the wrong time, and baseball games are at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what all is up there to eat. And I don't know. I, I know there's people out there that are thinking about all this. Yeah, uh, obviously don't want to step on anyone's toes. That it, you know has their great reasoning for why mm-hmm. Terminal Two is perfect, but um, with the way the city's set up, and you know just where I think would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You just put it right there. Yeah. I know there's not a lot of room, so you got to make room,
2: but mm-hmm.
0: um, close to downtown as possible, like yeah. uh, without major. Con-
1: AL or NL, does that, because there's a lot of talk about pe- people going back and forth, AL, NL, does it, do you think it'll, if you got an AL, it'd impact Seattle tremendously or?
0: Um, I know there, you know, it depends on what happens, like whether it's an, Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the team moving obviously you would try to keep it with whatever division they were already in yeah if you have an expansion team uh, that's that's definitely different. Um, I know there were some talk about like realigning schedules and realigning the division system and all that mm-hmm. um, if we do expand right you know, yeah. you, do, you know all west, south east, I don't know how that would do that with AL and NL. Sure, you would probably do it the same way. You just have four divisions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I really don't think it matters. The AL and NL in all honesty, sooner rather than later, are going to be more similar. Than-
2: mm-hmm.
0: It's both going to have a DH at some point. Yeah. It's just, it's at our time, in
1: my opinion. How amazing would it be for you if, whether you, if you're on a, team coming in to play or you're there. How amazing would it be for you as just a a person who lived in the
0: area, a native Oregonian coming back to play there? I'd, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, I know I have all my friends that are like, oh, as soon as you play in Tacoma, like you're in AAA and you're in Tacoma or like you go play Seattle, like I'm there. I'm like sick. Like that's a three hour drive. Like I'm pumped. My friends want to go there. But like if it's in Portland, like Anyone who who wants to come. Yeah. A teammate of mine last year made his debut, and he. Mm-hmm. When they played in St. Louis, I mean, he had 45 people there. Like, I remember him posting a picture on Instagram, like, that's your whole. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, 10 of them are family, but, like, the rest are, like, friends and family that just, you know, wanted to come. hmm And, you know, that'd be awesome. I think that's really cool. It, not an experience that most people get right for most people so far Hmm. Um, so having that and having that ability
1: yeah well i just want to say thank you so much for um taking you know a while now uh to sit with me um and join me and uh let me hear more about your history and, and the audience uh let them hear more about you as an individual so thank you cooper sir so much Um, for the time that
0: you spent with me tonight it's it's been awesome thank you i appreciate it yeah
1: it's been really cool um if you're down in the phoenix area uh he again he's with the brewers i would encourage you to go out to their stadium it's amazing it's really beautiful um the minorly the facilities that they have out there for spring training um i'm looking to hopefully get out and watch you play a little bit here in the next couple uh weeks or so and uh see you uh get out there and And watch you play as an individual. Awesome. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Diamonds Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben, and I hope you have a heck of a great day wherever you are at. Peace out.